Hi everyone. Thank you and welcome back to another episode of TRP Recovery. I'm your host, Nikkel, and today we're going to be discussing a hot topic that's been around for some time, but it's finally getting the attention and traction it deserves. And that topic is racial trauma. Anyone who falls under the umbrella of the term people of color definitely know what I'm talking about, even if you've probably never heard the term formalized before. I also decided to talk about it because July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. So for the month of July, we're going to be focusing on issues that primarily affect people of color. In light of everything that's been happening these past few weeks, it's so crucial for all of us to keep having these discussions so we can finally begin to lay a healthier foundation for a better way, not only for ourselves, but for future generations. So they don't have to experience a lot of the stuff that we'll be talking about today. And so for today's episode, I'm gonna provide a introduction, high level overview of racial trauma and the information that I'm using is sourced from an amazing author named Sheila Wise Rowe. And she wrote this awesome book called Healing Racial Trauma, which I definitely recommend. And just FYI, this is not a sponsorship, just a personal opinion. Um, But because there's so much depth to it, um, I'm going to be splitting this into two parts. So definitely make sure you tune in next week to hear the rest. So, all right, let's do it and dive into part one. And don't forget to grab some tea or your favorite hot drink as you listen. After watching um, the countless videos of several Black men and women who unfortunately lost their lives as a result of this really pervasive issue that we have in the United States, which is racism. And as we've been discussing this and seeing so many news episodes and different conversations around the topic, something that definitely was brought to my attention was the issue of a lot of people not even really understanding that racism was a thing still. And it was enlightening because it was both an opportunity to see why folks were not exposed to this um and it was also infuriating because how could you not see it and there are times where i've been shown instances where some folks because of their privileged places in society they've had the opportunity to not be exposed to certain things or folks who were aware of it and just didn't bother to do or say anything because it would have, I guess, sabotaged or taken away from their lifestyles or whatever the case may be. And so that's why I really thought it was super important to start discussing this and really breaking down not only what racism is, but also the effects of it on the folks who are being abused as a result of it. And that term is racial trauma. So racial trauma um, is, according to Ms. Rowe, the, the physical and psychological symptoms that people of color often experience after a stressful racist incident. 
when these personal or vicarious incidents happen over and over again, it can accumulate and lead to chronic stress. And this is something I believe that a lot of people of color are experiencing at this point in time. We've always had this in front of us, but it's a different level because of the curse and blessing that is social media. And so as important as it is to make sure that these incidents are exposed and folks are held accountable, um, it's also equally traumatizing to see these incidents of hatred against people who look like myself um, over and over and over again. It's experiencing that trauma vicariously over and over again and having the fear that it could happen to yourself or to someone that you care about. What I'm describing is what Sheila Rowe would refer to as vicarious trauma. And vicarious trauma occurs after we hear detailed trauma stories or watch dash cam videos of what the deceased or the survivors endured. And it can often feel like we are actually experiencing the event, which can lead to fear and physical symptoms that are very, very similar to post-traumatic stress disorder. This also, at least in my case, also means that you can have triggers, meaning that if you are witnessing or experiencing something that's similar to the incidents that you've seen on television or on social media, you immediately begin to feel fear. The problem could be further exacerbated by what Sheila Rowe refers to as racial gaslighting. Racial gaslighting um, is the ways in which individuals or institutions try to manipulate or question people of color's sense of reality, often to assert or maintain control, superiority, or power. Um, given the conversations happening right now surrounding police brutality, a lot of quote-unquote counter arguments that you may hear are things such as not all police officers are bad or um, the victim is somehow responsible for the way in which they were treated or killed. The problem with this argument, um, in my opinion, is that one, it could come off as insensitive and tone deaf, especially given the fact that it's often used as a rebuttal as to why someone um, had excessive force used against them, um, especially when there are several studies that show that excessive force is used primarily on people of color when it comes to interactions with the police. And secondly, I believe that it is just a very simple and blanket statement and doesn't really go deeper into the intricacies of the problem at hand. And of course, you're going to have your good and bad people in every profession. But if there is a root issue that is backed up with statistics and facts, then it is time to address it and try to be open to listening to the folks who have experienced it or who have witnessed it and try to come up with solutions so that way it doesn't happen again. So that way everyone can have the sentiment that not all police officers are bad. Because unfortunately, the reality is for a lot of people, this is often not the case. 
I believe another part of the issue is what Roe refers to as interpersonal racism. And that is um, a person who demeans and degrades the gifts, calling, motives, and body of a person of color. And this is because there is an underlying belief that the gross generalizations are valid, which permits the participation or silent witness of prejudice, discrimination, or racism. So just to break that down a little bit, I think a lot of folks are used to the picture of racism being the usage of like the term, um, like the N-word, or um, they have images of like the act of hunting of black people and the destruction of black spaces during the Ku Klux Klan era, so the KKK. But a lot of times they don't realize that the historical trauma that um, black people have experienced as a collective as a result of being ripped away from our native lands and brought over here for the purpose of slavery has left not only so much psychological trauma, but it's also created a systemic issue. So one of those issues is spatial racism. And she also defines that as spaces and structures that are purposefully designed to divide or change the demographics of communities. So think back to like um, Jim Crow laws Um, that allowed the segregation of public spaces. And it was around this time that the rise of redlining happened. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, redlining was this phenomenon that happened back in the 1930s where um, the homeowners loan corporation uh, tried to stimulate the economy after the Great Depression and would provide appealing loans for families to purchase homes. Um, And unfortunately, but also expectantly, um, a lot of these neighborhoods were split into categories um, and those neighborhoods were graded and through that grade that determined which neighborhoods would be given or which families from certain neighborhoods would be given um, those same appealing loans with features like low interest etc and a lot of times studies found that those neighborhoods that were given a grade of uh, D happened to have a large minority occupancy so those neighborhoods were outlined or marked in red, um, hence the name. And by the way, I will link the article where I got this definition from in the episode description. Um, those neighborhoods were considered high risk to mortgage lenders. So a lot of times they were often denied. This means that you had generations of people <laughs> who were trying to participate in the American dream and they were denied simply for the color of their skin. And a lot of people argue, well, that happened, you know, there are laws against that that protect people. Eh, eh, we'll see. <laughs> but another phenomenon that happened, which interestingly is kind of the reverse of it, is gentrification. And gentrification is defined as the process of renovating and improving a house or district so that it conforms to middle-class taste. And um, according to the National Community Reinvestment Coalition, um, which they based a study um, that they conducted from 2000 to 2013, and they stated the following. 
while gentrification increases the value of properties in areas that suffered from prolonged disinvestment, it also results in rising rents, home, and property values. As these rising costs reduce the supply of affordable housing, existing residents who are often Black or Hispanic are displaced. This prevents them from benefiting from the economic growth and greater availability of services that come with increased investment. The displacement of Black and Hispanic residents accompanied gentrification in many places and impacted at least 135,000 people in the study period. So in Washington, D.C., they found that 20,000 Black residents were displaced, and in Portland, Oregon, 13% of the Black community was displaced over a decade. And this is a phenomenon that is happening across major cities all across the United States. So with these facts being presented, it's really hard to deny that there are systemic issues that are affecting a particular or particular groups of people and to constantly hear the narrative that this is something that was in the past, why are you bringing it up, why can't you let it go, is just turning a blind eye on a problem that is affecting too many people. And this is part of the reason why I am hopeful despite everything that's been happening, despite a lot of the tragic stories that we keep on witnessing, I'm also very hopeful because I also see a lot of solidarity. I see a lot of acknowledgement and I see a lot of progress that's beginning to happen. Whether or not it's going to continue um, is going to be on us to continue to hold our leaders accountable for their promises and follow up to make sure those things actually come to fruition. So um, yeah, that's all I really had for today. <laughs> but um, I really hope that this was something that brought some information or some enlightenment to you. And I'm definitely really excited to continue the conversation next week. Um, definitely feel free to visit our page on Instagram at TRP Recovery and leave a comment. Um, and if you have any questions or any topics or any commentary that you'd like to let us know about and that we can discuss in the podcast, that would be so awesome. We would love to hear from you. So thank you so much. Once again, this is your host, Nikkel. I'll see you next week, Saturday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Remember, you are loved and stay blessed.